0: And hello everyone and welcome to episode 117, What to Do When People Criticize Us. Now, unless you've been raised by wolves and live in a remote forest out in the wild, it's really impossible to go through life without being criticized at one time or another for one thing or another. How to respond to criticism is a relationship challenge. Do we go on the defensive and confront our critics? Or do we cower and retreat with our tail between our legs? Or is there another option? Today's episode is about that other option, a better option. Keep listening to learn what it is and what to do when people criticize us. There's a wonderful story in the New Testament of the Bible that illustrates a really profound relationship principle related to dealing with criticism. It's found in the book of Acts, and that's what we're gonna be talking about for a few minutes. As a backdrop to the story, we learn in chapter 27 that the Apostle Paul is on a boat headed to Rome when his ship encounters a terrible storm. It eventually becomes shipwrecked off the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. The story picks up in chapter 28 where the Apostle Luke, the author of the book of Acts, tells us the following in the first ten verses. I'll read them to you. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on a fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, Oh, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Let's start by considering the context of the criticism that Paul faced. You know, the people of Malta were very hospitable and welcoming to these shipwrecked sailors and their passengers. Luke describes them as very kind people in verse 2. They take in Paul and his fellow travelers and cared for them in the cold and rain with a warm fire. Later in the story, the chief public official of the island is described as kindly. He himself hosted these shipwrecked sailors for three days in his home. You know, these were very kind and and a relational people, that's for sure. But the crux of the criticism of the islanders was when they called Paul a murderer because a snake bit him on his hand. They demonized him based on limited information. It comes out of their worldview that really had no basis in reality. A snake biting a person does not mean the person is a murderer. But they developed a mythology like this to explain things they didn't understand. And before we become too critical of these islanders, don't we do the same thing to make sense out of the world we live in? We all want answers, even to the unanswerable. But to their credit, the people of Malta, when they saw that no harm had come to Paul, quickly changed their minds. But then they go to the opposite extreme, and call him a god. A murderer one minute, a god the next. How quickly their evaluation changed. There's some interesting things we uh, can observe about Paul in this brief passage. First of all, he helped with the fire by adding logs to it. He was simply being a good guest. But the most amazing thing in this whole story is that when he hears the people of Malta calling him a murderer, he remains silent. Yes, silent. This is so unlike Paul. He was always quick in the past to stand up to his accusers. Yet here, he is quiet. Hmm. Why, I wonder. Well, I think for one thing, he knew they were right. He indeed was a murderer. Paul was responsible for the death of countless Christians before his conversion to Christianity. His critics were correct. He could have easily defended himself, though, by saying that was part of his past before he became a Christian. But because of his faith in Jesus and the power of the cross, all his sins were forgiven and that he is completely a new person in light of God's forgiveness. He could have said all of that with complete accuracy. It would have defended him well. I wonder, though, why he didn't speak this truth into the lives of these islanders. I wonder if he felt they weren't ready to hear these words of truth. You know, people need to be willing and ready to hear truth. Telling people truth before they're receptive to it can often make things worse but it takes discernment to know when to speak and when to remain silent. In this situation, Paul says nothing and instead flings the snake back into the fire. I see the snake as a symbol of the criticism he faced. It represents his old sin nature before he became a new creation at the time he committed his life to Jesus, totally forgiven of his past evil life. You know, that's what happens to all of us when we commit our life to Jesus. All our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Now, in this case, instead of defending himself with words, Paul uses the gifts that God has equipped him with to take action. Action to bless people. In this case, starting with the father of Publius, the island official. Paul heals him of a fever and dysentery. And then other sick people flock to him, and Paul heals them too. I love the last line from this passage from Acts 28. Here's what it says. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Wow. What a, what a beautiful story and example for us and how to respond when people criticize us. So what does this all mean for you? How can you use what you've heard today to improve the relationships in your life, especially when people criticize you? Well, I've got a few ideas. First off, be as honest as you can with yourself. Is there any truth to what people are criticizing you for? If so, do I need to apologize to anyone? Do I need to make things right with someone? You can also ask yourself, What does Jesus say about me? Even if my critics are 100% accurate in their judgment, what does Jesus think about me? Hmm. Finally, Ask God for wisdom. Wisdom to know what to say to my critics and when to say it. And then wisdom to know when to remain silent and when to let my actions speak for me. Here's the main point that I hope you remember from today's episode, the main takeaway. It's this. When people criticize us, Remind ourselves of who we are because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom to keep doing what Jesus called us to do, just like Paul did, regardless of the criticism. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about today's episode. Just send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Or you can share your thoughts in the Leave a Reply box at the bottom of the show notes. For today's episode, I'll close with the July 13th devotional reading from Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling. You may know the author of this devotional writes from the perspective of Jesus speaking to us in the first person. And in our case, to you and to me as listeners. Here's what it says. I want you to experience the riches of your salvation, the joy of being loved constantly and perfectly. You make a practice of judging yourself based on how you look or behave or feel. If you like what you see in the mirror, you do feel a bit more worthy of my love. When things are going smoothly and your performance seems adequate, you find it easier to believe you are my beloved child. When you feel discouraged, you tend to look inward so you can correct whatever is wrong. Instead of trying to fix yourself, fix your gaze upon me, the lover of your soul. Rather than using your energy to judge yourself, redirect it to praising me. Remember that I see you clothed in my righteousness, radiant in my love. Well, then the author, Sarah Young, lists uh, three Bible passages from which she derives her thoughts on how she imagines Jesus calling us. Finally, if you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you haven't already done so, and forward this episode on to others you think may be interested in today's topic. This helps us to serve more people like you. I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act, especially when people criticize you. Also, that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. Well, that's all for today. I really look forward to connecting with you again next week. But for now, goodbye.